Well, good evening and welcome. Thank you very much for the invitation. Can I just double check that everybody at the back can hear me? Yeah. I did make the mistake of saying that to a church one day and somebody piped up and said, uh, yes, I can, but I don't mind swapping with somebody who can't. So I've, <laughs> I've learned my lesson from that. <laughs> so... Um, over the next half an hour, I just want to share perhaps three aspects of, uh, of this evening's uh, talk. First of all, I just want to give you a little bit of background uh, on my life uh, as a witness. Uh, my wife, Mally, was also a Jehovah's Witness. She sends her love to you, but she's ministering to uh, a very needy lady in our church, so she sends her love to you. So I'm going to give a bit of background to my story. Um, then we'll look at the mindset of the Watchtower Society or Jehovah's Witnesses and why it is so hard to reach them with the gospel. And it is hard, let's just make no mistake about that. And thirdly, how do we witness to the witness? (laughs) Because there is actually a mission field on your doorstep when they call. So, a bit of background. Um, I was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness. My mum was a witness, so was my gran and my auntie. And uh, so I was um, inculcated from a witness theology from very, very young. Uh, I made a dedication of my life to God at the age of 10 and was baptised in Barnstable Swimming Pool. I still remember it to this day, uh, October the 7th, 1956, and it was jolly cold uh, <laughs> in the swimming pool. And I dedicated my life to God. And from then on, uh, I gave everything I had really to the witnesses and the mindset was that they were and probably still are very much an end time religion so I was not encouraged to do uh, very well at school and uh, so um, college and everything else was absolutely out of the window on the basis that why bother with education when the end of the world is going to happen anytime soon Well, that was 1956, (laughs) so time has moved on. Um, Eventually, uh, I met uh, my wife, Mally, uh, up in Nuneaton in Warwickshire. Um, I met her when she was 15, and I proposed to her on our first date, because uh, you're not allowed to date, really, as a Jehovah's Witness, except for the idea that you're going to get married. So uh, I took her out on her first date, Uh, bought her a bag of chips, even at that time she realised that I probably was not the last of the big spenders and um, her parents were not very pleased when uh, I told them that we wanted to get married Uh, but we did, we got married when she was 18 and this year uh, is uh, our 50th golden wedding anniversary so we've had an absolutely wonderful year and uh, I think she deserves an absolute medal uh, for putting up with me for so long So, our life together as the Jehovah's Witnesses was very much, uh, we were full-time evangelists for them, so we travelled all over the country, uh, proclaiming that the Jehovah's Witnesses were the only true Christians, and that the world was going to end in 1975. Matt won't remember this, uh, but it didn't. Um, for For those of you who were around in 1975, it didn't happen. And as a result of that... A huge amount of Jehovah's Witnesses left the organisation totally disillusioned. And uh, I myself started, I was the pastor of the local congregation in Exmouth in South Devon, which was our home, and I started to question everything that I'd been taught. You think, well, just a minute, if they were wrong about something as fundamental as the end of the world, what else are they wrong about? 
So I started to put all the, sort of the watchtower literature on one side and started to read, for the first time, God's word on its own. And I was terribly shocked to find that much, not all, as I'll say a bit later on, not, a lot of the fundamental teachings of the witnesses are not grounded in scripture. So, one Sunday, uh, I was giving my Sunday morning talk in Exmouth Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses. I looked down at my notes, I finished my notes, and I thought, I don't believe a word I've just said. And I went home and wept and wept and wept. Because if you leave a cult, you cannot leave comfortably. So, I was uh, eventually kicked out of Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, eventually, so was Mally, my wife. And everybody that we'd grown up with and knew <laughs> suddenly became our enemies. Not to us, but us to them. So we were totally cut off, um, even from my, my parents and my, uh, my, my family and loved ones. And when, I, I remember one day my mum was asked, uh, how is your son Peter doing? She said, I, I haven't got a son. I haven't got a son. And that's hard, isn't it? And you see, that so many people stay in the cults not because they necessarily think it's the truth, but because it's jolly sight harder to leave than it is to stay. Does that make some, some sense? When you've been brought up in it for years and years and years, and you go to five meetings a week, which we did, and people grumble about two on a Sunday, uh, we went to meetings on Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday. And if that's all you hear, and your only contact is with fellow witnesses, and your workplace is with witnesses, and that's all you hear all the time, then you have a mindset which says that this must be the truth. And it's a tremendous shock to realise that it's not the truth. And I'll say a little bit more about that um, a little bit later on. So, let's talk now about the mindset of the Watchtower Society. By the way, if, if anybody... I'm used to heckling, so if anybody wants to ask a question as they go along, because you may not remember it at the end, uh, please just... Just shout out or raise your hand or whatever you do uh, here at Creech. Uh, so, and I'm happy to take any questions. If we've got time, and Matt will tell me at the end, uh, if there are any Q&A, we, we will do our best to answer. So, why is it so hard to witness to witnesses? Here is a quote from a former Jehovah's Witness. Listen carefully to this. This is their mindset. They believe that Jehovah God works through one and only one organisation today. That's the Watchtower Society. Devotion to that concept is what makes a person a Jehovah's Witness. This organisational mindset dominates every aspect of their minds, hearts and lives. If, you are, if we are to be active in sharing the gospel with Jehovah's Witness, it's critical that we understand this mindset and its implications thoroughly. It explains why standard gospel presentations to your average witness cuts no ice whatsoever. It's totally ineffective. And <clears throat> we'll cover that in a moment why. Furthermore, they are indoctrinated to believe that Jehovah God is their spiritual father, fine, but the organisation, the Watchtower organisation, is their spiritual mother, so if we speak about the organisation and point out the flaws and the false prophecies, it's like us and somebody insulting our mum. I know that seems really strange, but that's, that's their mindset. So this mindset is reinforced through five meetings every week, through local and regional assemblies, where the 
obedience to the organization is mandatory. You are not allowed to read or uh, have any conversation about anything which is critical of the Watchtower Society. We weren't allowed to do that. We were just not. It was just absolutely forbidden. So this is a quote from a former Jehovah's Witness. Listen to this. If there are any truths that I have learned from membership in the Watchtower organization, it is that the organization is is inculpable by default. It never takes responsibility or accepts the blame. If a member chooses to leave, Watchtower reports that it is due to the member's shortcomings, unfaithfulness and disobedience. The organisation never admits to fault. There is absolutely nothing that the organisation has ever done to make anyone leave. And it is this strongly held belief that makes it virtually impossible to convince or persuade a thoroughly indoctrinated JW of the deceptive nature and undue influence of their organisation. Any hint of the truth, the real truth, about the Watchtower organisation will instantaneously turn them away. People are more willing to listen, give contemplation and cling to pleasant lies over unpleasant truths. For them, Watchtower mind control rules the day. Isn't that frightening? That's just terrifying. It's almost totalitarian, isn't it? It's like communism brainwashing. I remember one, and I, uh, one convention I went to, and I, I, it just goes to show how blind we were. The speaker said, if the organisation says jump, the only question you should ask is how high. And back in the 1970s, when we were telling everybody that the world was going to end in 1975, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Mally's side of the family, <coughs> were so convinced that they, they had a lovely house and a small holding and a caravan park, they sold it up and divide, made sure that they had enough money to last them from 1969 to 1975. They were broke at the end of 1975. That's how, that's how much this indoctrination uh, is, uh, is in view of the Watchtower Society. So, that's their mindset. So, how do they view... <laughs> <laughs> the people who are both inside and outside of what we might call mainstream Christianity. Well, they believe that they are the only true Christians. Only Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe, will survive Armageddon and be ushered into a new earth. Sadly, dear friends, they have no assurance of salvation whatsoever. None. They believe that they will be saved if they continue doing everything that they should be. Going to five meetings a week, going from door to door, or standing on the corner with that new... Have you seen the new sort of uh, display they've got of their magazines? As long as they do that, and if they do that right up to the end, they'll be okay. No, no assurance. So, what are the key teachings uh, that differ from mainstream Christianity? Well, first of all, Jesus. They believe, yes, he is the Son of God, but they believe that he's Michael the Archangel. They certainly don't believe that he is God the Son. They have no concept of the deity of Christ whatsoever. They believe that the Holy Spirit is not a person, but like a force, like electricity or the wind. 
They believe that salvation can only come through being a Jehovah's Witness. They do not celebrate birthdays or Christmas. Our first Christmas was when I was uh, I was about 40 and Mally was about 35 before we celebrated our first Christmas. We had a great time, I have to say, <laughs> on our first Christmas, making up for 35 years of no Christmases. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, they don't involve themselves in politics. Um, all churches are tools of the devil. So, yes, my love? Good question. They don't celebrate Christmas, and Christians will have some sympathy with this. They don't celebrate Christmas because they believe that much of Christmas, uh, the stuff that's attached to it, is actually of pagan origin. We'd go along with that. We're okay with that. My argument would be, fine, and of course Jesus wasn't born of course the end of December either, maybe by the beginning of October. My argument would be, yes, that's so, but if Christians don't celebrate the birth of Christ, who's going to? We're moving further and further away. Uh, Birthdays, that's much more tenuous. They don't celebrate birthdays because the only two birthdays in the Bible were Herod, when he decapitated John the Baptist, and I think one of the pharaohs. Such a tenuous thing, really. Um, So, no Christmas, no birthdays, no fun, I would say. Um, No fun. Um, the New World Translation of the Bible is, they, they believe, the most accurate translation. They don't believe in blood transfusions. That's Most of us will know that. Again, that's because of looking at a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 15, which has no bearing whatsoever on blood transfusions. It can't be, because there wasn't such thing in the first century. Uh, it talks about not eating blood. That was a, a Jewish issue, but... Certainly, and they've, they've taken that on to, uh, to extraordinary lengths. I brought with me, and look out for it, it's an absolutely brilliant DVD called Apostasy. If you ever get the chance to watch it, it was actually on mainstream uh, films some years ago. It's the true story of a family caught up in this horrible situation of blood transfusions. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, the, the acting is superb. Uh, look out for it. They believe there are two classes of witnesses, the majority of whom are going to live on the earth, um, and just a few, the 144,000, are going to go to heaven. But strangely enough, they're all Jehovah's Witnesses. But there's only just a few of them left uh, on the earth. The vast majority uh, expect to live on the earth. Okay so far? Okay, we're going along at some speed. Is that okay, Matt? Okay. Um, So, witnessing to the witnesses. Can I just say, let's try and find the common ground rather than the battleground. Can we just say that straight off? And it's important to realise that actually Christians can find some common ground with the witnesses. For example, they believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Tick, we're okay with that, aren't we? Uh, They believe in the sanctity of marriage. One man, one woman for life. They believe that sex before and outside of marriage is a sin before God. And uh, as is, they would say the same about homosexual practice. Uh, They believe that the world came about by special creation and not evolution. Uh, So we would actually be okay with that, wouldn't we? We would find some common ground there uh, with with witnesses. The issue, and this is where we've got to be very careful, the witness may well point out 
that the church, the established church, is actually quite ambivalent on some of these issues. Isn't that so? A lot of churches now are, are, are giving credence to a, a number of issues which uh, scriptures would have some very strong things to say. So, we can commend them for their love of scripture. Absolutely, genuinely. So, what can we say when they call on us? This is the, the big issue, isn't it? One thing, <laughs> we went from door to door for about 20, 25 years, uh, and we had quite a number of experiences. Uh, we, we, were, we lived in the north of Scotland for a while. Uh, we had buckets of water chucked over us from upstairs windows. Uh, not very nice, actually, when you're living in the north of Scotland. It's pretty cold anyway. Uh, we've had dogs set on us. Um, we've had funny experiences like this, this little girl came to the door um, and I said, uh, uh, can we speak to your mum, please? And she said, no, mummy says she's not home. So, we, so we, we, had, we had lots of, lots of experiences like that. But not one person in 20, 25 years shared with us the love of Christ. They might have said, we go to church, thank you. We're Christians, bang. So we thought, well, if that's church going, you can keep it. So what can we say when they call on us? Well, first of all, do something really radical. Thank them for calling. Nobody ever thanks a witness for calling. Thank you so much. Let them do their little spiel. Thank you so much for calling on me. I really appreciate you giving up your time. I, I won't take your literature, thank you. But you've been kind enough to explain to me why you're calling on me. And I really appreciate that. You see, can I just share with you what Christ has done for me? Would you mind? Can you just take a minute or two of that? And their training is such they have to say, oh, I'm, 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 all right then. And then give your testimony. Because each of you have got a unique story to tell. Can I just share with you what Christ has done in my life? And you see, what you're offering me... This offer to join your organisation is actually so much less than what I already have. You see, I've been saved. I'm enjoying a full life in the love of Christ. I have Jesus as my saviour. He has set me free from all my past. My sins are forgiven. And I have now the most wonderful future ahead of me. Do you know, if every Christian shared something like that with every witness that called on them, I think somewhere down the line, Mr. Witness is going to say, are we missing something here? Every place, I mean, all these people are telling us these incredible stories, and they're people who go to church. They're not supposed to believe in the Bible. They're not supposed to love Christ. Yet, there's something different. There's something really different about them. And if we, who knows, in the economy of God, nothing's wasted, is it? But I do wonder, Molly and I do wonder, how our lives might have been different if somebody had just shared that with us at some point, rather than going through all those years, wasted years. Oh. Does that all make some sense to everybody? Yes, sister, please.
No, and a lot of Christians worry about inviting people who are sort of heretical, really, into their home. Um, but I don't have a problem. Nobody ever did, actually. Um, not, not, not once. But I think it's, it's great uh, to do that. Sorry, I, I, sorry, my love. Could you just say that a bit loud? I couldn't hear that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, nobody ever did that. For, well, in fact, we would have resisted it. Anybody that said, well, can we pray w- with you or for you, would have said, absolutely not, because we believe they were praying for the de- to the devil. So you have you've broken great ground there, sister. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you've got some, you made some really good points there. And I think what you're doing is you're extending your love to them, your warmth, uh, and you're, you're getting that warmth back again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's really good. That's really good. You see, I don't see them as, as enemies. I, I see the organisation. I think the organisation is evil. I really do, because uh, they're deliberately misleading people. But the average witness is generally nice people, actually. Very nice people. Genuine, hard-working, honest, make great employees, good employers. So nothing against them at all, but... They need salvation. They need Jesus. They really do need to see him as saviour. So, yes, sister, please. Um, one bit of advice I was given a long time ago was that what you can do is, especially if you're not feeling very sure of yourself as a Christian, if you're not you're a young Christian or whatever, um, what you can do is say to them, well, I'll give you three minutes to tell me what you believe. And then if you will allow me to tell you what I believe. And that's what I used to do. Um, I developed it a bit more afterwards when I realised that they had no assurance of salvation. And so we went to in passages in Scripture where we can say, Jesus is preparing a place for us, for example, yeah. John. And, and that sort of thing, which they were a bit astounded at. And I said, wouldn't you like to be able to say that today, that you had assurance that you were going to heaven? And... They, they were a little bit frightened then, and I said, you, Will you can trust Jesus today? Wow. Give Jesus your life today. And, and it's just natural because basically they, they lack this. Yeah. They, they just need it. And, and um, so, yeah, but the, the first way was I found very helpful, especially if you're a bit nervous about sure. speaking with them.
Yeah. Uh, that's really, really good. Thank you for that. You see, their relationship is not with the Lord Jesus or even Almighty God. Their relationship is predicated on their relationship with the organisation, not Jesus Christ. That's where we have such a difference, Matt. To what extent would they recognise or declare Jesus as their Lord, as their Lord? Would that be language they would use? Is that something they would declare? If they thought it would give them an intro to talking to you more, they would probably say yes. Um, yeah, we do accept Jesus as Lord. And to some extent, um, they, they do. But it's, it's, it's a, on a very limited basis. As somebody, as this sister pointed out, their translation of John 1.1, 1, 1, which is a crucial one, I'm sure you, you know, they talk about um, the word being a God, not the God. So their relationship with Christ and certainly um, worship of Jesus would be right out the window. They would not acknowledge that whatsoever. And in fact, they believe their Watchtower organisation, uh, the Watchtower magazine, many, many years ago, it was about the year that I knew that it was <laughs> time to go. They carried an article uh, which went all over the world which said, Come to Jehovah's Organisation for Salvation. <laughs> Now, if that's not heretical, that flies in the face, doesn't it? Um, of, so, yes, Jesus is Lord, probably with a small L rather than a full capital L. My time has gone, Matt. Thank you so much. We've got five minutes. Okay, five minutes for more questions. Can I just say before I say anything else, who, I don't know the brother that gave the interpretation on that word. Was it Reuben? Could you? I believe, Reuben, that was for me. That was specific. I really felt that spoke to my heart, Matt. So thank you so much. And thank you, sister, for, for bringing that. I really appreciate that. Yes, Ruben, sorry. Um, one thing I found in talking to Jehovah's Witnesses was that they put a real hang-up about the cross. <laughs> and, and I was talking to them about to us and say, well, we revere the cross, and so therefore we're missing the point altogether. And also they say, well, Jesus didn't die on the cross anyway. It was a stake. Well, of course, the, the, the Greek word staros, uh, which is where we get the word cross uh, from, can be translated either stake or cross. Actually, this is the problem. They major on minor things. To a Christian, it doesn't actually matter how he died. We wear a cross to remind us that actually this man died for our sins. That's the issue. Not whether it was an upright stake or a, a cross. But for them, it's massive. You're quite right, Ruben. It's a huge issue uh, and one that they get very, very hung up about. But um, no, it's, the, it's a bit like Christmas, really. Um, for us, it's the principle. Why are we celebrating it? Because we want to remember that Christ came, irrespective of when it was or how it was. Yes, please. Yes, yeah, we did a series um, on Sky TV some years ago, which is still actually on YouTube, uh, called Simply the Truth. So if you tap in Peter Price, ex-Jehovah's Witness, and we did three live programmes, uh, which went, obviously, all over, it was on Sky TV, and then it went uh, on YouTube. And we've had so many people who've contacted us, saying, look, we were in the same boat, we were very doubtful, we were questioning, we were disillusioned, we didn't know what to do, we didn't think there was anybody like us. So thank you for letting us uh, know that there is hope 
and they've also come out. But an awful lot, dear sister, have come out of the Jehovah's Witnesses, many thousands and thousands, and have gone nowhere because they are totally disillusioned. And they, do you remember that scripture that Jesus, when Jesus was talking to Peter, do you remember that? And um, a load of disciples had gone AWOL, hadn't they? And Jesus said to Peter, do you want to go as well? And Peter gets it right once for a change, gets it right. Usually he only opens his mouth to change feet, doesn't he? But he says, Lord, (laughs) you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And Jesus says, well done. He says, "Uh, do you want to go? He says, no, 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 no. Who else do we go to? You have the sayings of eternal life. And that's what the witnesses say. You leave us, where are you going to go? Because only we have got the truth. But dear friends, keep praying for them. Because if Molly and I can come out, after a life, half a lifetime in the witnesses, anybody can. The Holy Spirit works on their lives. Thank you, Matt.